When talking about trust, I typically talk about people trusting people. But in this episode, I'll talk about trust between people and horses. And not only that, but actually what we can learn from this relationship about trust between people. My guest today is Edison Galliano. She trains kids to ride horses and she trains horses to be ridden. She teaches the horse to listen and to trust people. We recorded this episode right after Edison gave me a demonstration of her techniques. And I can tell you that this was impressive. At the end of the interview, she told me that learning how to read horses helped her learn how to read other people better, better than most of us. But there was one more thing that I needed to say about her. Edison is 15 years old. Yes, one five, 15 years old. Okay, enough conjecture. Let's go right after this. Welcome to The Trust Show. I'm Yoram Solomon, your host, the author of The Book of Trust and facilitator of The Trust Habits Workshop. My mission is simple. I want to help you form habits that build your trustworthiness because the answer to this question will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? Edison, welcome to The Trust Show. Thank you. So we just came back from a demonstration outside. So tell me tell me what you showed me there. So we were working with my 10-year-old sooty buckskin quarter horse, um, which for the people who don't know what that is, that's just his breeding and coloring. Um, but he's 10 years old. I've had him for three months. And prior to these three months, he has uh, never had a saddle on him before, never had any training beyond, hey, let me come touch you. Let me pick up your feet, you know. So that's all very basic. And that's what he had been trained to do. Um, so uh, he's not my horse. I've been training him for somebody else. And so that person has goals to have this horse be able to be rideable, be able to be trusted with kids, which, you know, you can you can ride a horse doesn't mean that it's going to let a kid be on its back. Yeah. Um, but so that's what I've been working on him with. The biggest thing about that is that uh, we are predators to them. We are an animal that can- We, that's humans. Humans, yeah. We're predators. Yes. So- How about vegetarians? Are vegetarians predators? (laughs) (laughs) Just kind of as a species. The horse probably can tell. Hunters, yeah. So, um, and they're prey animals. So they're naturally afraid of us. And so having a predator come climb onto your back is not- not kind of the greatest idea to them. So, you know, would you let a tiger go sit on your back? Probably not. So, much. not. No, no. so it's kind of that type of thing. So that's what I've been working on him with. So the thing I like to establish with them is trust. Hey, you can you can trust me. It's gonna be it's gonna be okay. You can let me sit on your back. So let's not get there yet. Mm-hmm. But so this horse is actually not yours. No, not mine. But the others are. <laughs> one of them. One of them is. So, and uh, out of curiosity, how do you get? How did you get the horse? Um, in what sense? Like, how don't did, tell me how much you caught, but you bought. Yeah, yeah. So how did like 
how did the horse come to me or how did so I find it or how do I pay for it? the horse. Yeah. The horse. Yeah. Horse. It's, it's yeah. So. Pronounced horse. Yeah. <laughs> um, Shows you how much of a horse person I am. Yeah. So everything with the horses I pay for, I pay for transport. Well, if like we drive, I pay for gas. That's what that means. So I pay for gas. I pay for. But you don't drive yet. No. Uh, just just to remind our audience, because you are 15, 15 yeah. years old. So, um, but uh, all the vet bills, which are like a thousand times more expensive than any other animal. Horse vet bills are just insane. Um, all the feed, all there's something called ferrying, which is just clipping their nails, you know. Yep. So, which is a lot more complicated than that seems, but I won't go into it. Um, their teeth, they, their horse dentists, and you know, all of that, I pay for all of it. Um, and I do that. I teach kids how to ride horses and I also train horses for people. That's how I pay for it. And none of it's for profit at all. Um, I do it simply so that I can go on and help the next horse. So everything that I make goes straight back into the horses. Eventually, I'd like to be able to pay for college. But as of right now, it's just uh, so I can go and help the next horse. That's all. So um, you told me outside, you used something, it looked like a whip. Mm -hmm. What do you call it? Yeah, so I call that the carrot stick. And okay. there's three different names for it. You can call it a whip, a lunge whip, and a carrot stick. Um, the correct name for it is the lunge whip. That's what type of whip it is. Um, when people hear the word whip, they always think of, you know, like those big leather whips that are used to harm animals, really. Um, the lunge whip, it's a lot softer of a material. You have a three foot staff on the whip, which is made of a metal material wrapped in, um, I think it's nylon. And so, and then you have a nylon braided rope that comes off of it. And so that, if you hit something hard enough with it, it's gonna hurt, but what it's actually made for, it's made to make a snappy sound. It makes the, it breaks the sound barrier if you snap it the right way. So it's made for an audible reason versus a, um, to inflict Take pain. To, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and then I call it, some people call it a carrot stick. I like the word carrot stick just because it doesn't have whip in it. And uh, carrot stick in the sense that it makes a horse do something, uh, which, you know, like back in the old days when they drove the carriages, they had a stick, put a carrot on the end of it and put it in front of the horse. <laughs> and so that's why it's called a carrot stick. And then you can just also call it a whip. It's type of whip. So, um, but that's my carrot stick. I don't use it to inflict pain ever, ever. And that's, that's something that I noticed. Uh, how do people or trainers typically use it? Because they do. Right? Well, in my eyes, there are two different types of ways to train a horse. You have uh, training built on trust and you have training built on power. Um, and I absolutely love training built on trust, which was something I had to learn. Uh, I was taught training built on power. That's that's the way I was taught. And then it ended up getting me really, really hurt. So what is that? What What is training based on power? So training based on power, um, horses are herd animals. And so they naturally have an instinct to follow the leader, follow the thing that they trust, follow the horse that will protect them. Same way with humans is they want to follow us or they think that, hey, you need to follow me because I don't trust you. And so training built on power is saying to that horse that I am the leader. And if you don't listen to me, we're going to have problems. And so that's a lot of the times where horses end up getting abused because um, 
it's terrible. Some people's vision of training is tying the horse to a fence and just beating it until it respects them, uh, which is, it's not really respect, it's fear. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and then you have training built on um, trust, which takes a whole lot longer. If you're wondering why people would ever stand there at a fence and beat a horse, it's because it's a lot faster. You get a lot faster results. Um, you get that horse to work for you a lot quick, more quickly, but you end up with a lot more problems with that. But um, like, you know, horses are unpredictable. If they feel scared enough, they'll react. And that, those are those problems. So that's why people really do that is just to get a quick, easy result. Um, training built on trust takes a lot more time and a lot more effort. Um, <laughs> the time is <laughs> the biggest thing because horses are not super trusting animals naturally. Their natural instinct is to run and be away from something that they fear. Especially because they know that we're predators. Especially because of that. Yeah. So it takes a lot more time to get a horse to trust you. But as soon as a horse trusts you, they're willing to do anything for you. And I really, truly mean that. This horse that came to me, Coda, who we were working with today, um, prior to this, again, he'd never had a saddle on him before. But people had never been mean to him before either. People had always just loved on him, given him food, made him happy. Um, and I've never, ever, never, ever seen him buck at a human ever before. My horse bucks at me all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's just partially because that's her personality. Like, uh, Coda, as you saw, he's, I describe him as a big dog. Like he just, yeah. he doesn't have a bad bone in his body. I've never seen him kick, bite, rear, anything towards a human. And I mean, I've done some pretty crazy stuff with him, uh, I ride them without any tack at all, which means no, the same thing that you saw out there where there's no bridle, no halter, no lead rope, no saddle, nothing. I just go hop on his back and he listens to me and he could absolutely throw me off very easily. So when we were outside, you were telling me that uh, those who train horses based on fear, what they mm -hmm. would do, the, the way or the reason the horse would do what they want them to mm -hmm. is because they're probably afraid of being hurt yes. more than because of the uh, benefit that they're going to get, the character yes. or the treat. But your horse at some point realizes, wait, she's not going to hit me, but they still do what you're telling them to. So how's yeah. that? Um, so the way that kind of works, like you said, sometimes they work out of fear. Um, which is, I describe it as spastic, like the horse is kind of spastic all over the place, trying to figure out how it's not going to get hurt. It's because it doesn't know what the right thing is. If you show that horse the right thing and they, they want to do it, um, with Coda, whenever I was working with him, I don't have a way to tell him, oh, that's so wrong. That's just, you know, I, I never would hit him and be like, that's what you get for doing something wrong. Um, what I do is I reward him for the right thing. And like I said, horses are always going to want to follow and uh, please their superior. And so he's always going to want to do the right thing. It's a matter of showing him how and communicating with him how to do the right thing. Because if you don't show a horse how to do the right thing, they're not going to know how to do it, you know? So um, I work with him on a basis of reward. Like you saw, I had treats with me. There's tons of people that just absolutely... <laughs> don't believe in treat training at all, which I wouldn't really call it treat training because you saw he'll do what I want him to do if even if there are even no when treats, you don't give him which is when you know there's true um, respect and true trust there. 
Um, treat training, I describe it as more of the horse will only do what you want if you give him food. But the I give him treats really as a <laughs> enticement to stay around me because yeah. he's so easily distracted. He'd just go off and do whatever. And I don't have a rope on him or anything to pull him back and be like, hey, come over here. We're still here. So, you know. So that, that's something else you told me last time that, that I saw you, the roper. Mm-hmm. That others do use it, yeah. but you don't. Um, I I do sometimes. The the thing I've been doing with him, it's liberty. So he's at complete liberty to come work with me. And he's at complete liberty to go be distracted and look at other horses or other people or whatever. That's what liberty is. I definitely use, um, it's called a halter, which is what goes on their face. And a lead rope, which is like a leash for horses. So um, I definitely use that a lot. I just, I enjoy, I think liberty is so much more enjoyable because it's completely based off of he wants to do this with me. I'm not forcing him to do it. How was he at the beginning when he first got? <laughs> How was he different? Uh, his personality was the same. He was still definitely like always wanted to be around people, always wanted to have pets. My dad had to call me all the time and be like, come get the horse out of the barn while I'm working. So there's just <laughs> things like that. <laughs> uh, but he... He reacted a lot differently when he got frustrated. So horses like humans have very strong emotions and they can't speak and tell us their emotions. So they react with their bodies. And so um, when he gets frustrated uh, now, now all he does, he'll throw his head. And if he's really upset about it, he'll take his front feet and spin them away from me to kind of get like away. But never like never is aggressive, if that makes sense. So uh, it's flight rather than fight type thing so um <laughs> when i first got him man i'd go to lunge him which is just you have them on a long rope and you ask them to move around you like you saw there i when i'm doing it with liberty there's obviously no rope or anything but um <laughs> i just asked them to lunge and it's more of a exercise to get their muscles built up but you just ask them to go walk trot canter which is different speeds around you. Uh, it's like a walk tr- jog and a sprint is walk trot canter and ask him to go do that. And man, if he got mad and he didn't want to do, he'd come running straight for me and just try to run me over. So that's kind of how he reacted when he got frustrated before. Whereas to now you can still tell he's frustrated, but he's not aggressive about it is how I'd say. You know, one thing when I talk about trust, a big component to it is is intimacy. And the way I talk about intimacy is you can use your words, you can use your tone of voice, you can use your body language. And I'm not the first person to realize that tone and body language are more effective. But here, when we talk about a horse, they don't understand the words Mm -hmm. themselves. So it's purely tone and body language. Everything that the horse does is based on your tone and body language. How do you make them understand? Um, so horses scientifically respond more to a higher pitch tone than a lower pitch tone. Okay. Um, actually music, they hate a lot of modern music and it makes them quite upset, which is quite a strange thing to think about. But like people are playing, playing modern music, which is a lot of heavy bass and lower tones. Uh, they don't like it. They seem to get upset and stuff like this. This is scientific 
research that people have done. Higher pitch tones in like classical music, they like it. It makes them happy. My horse, she'll bob her head to it if I have it playing because um, I have a playlist for her when I'm around her and she'll bob her head to it, it makes her happy. So. I've seen that firsthand how that works. And so I always try to use the higher pitch tone when I'm working with him. Um, if I if I do something kind of high pitched and loud, is it gonna is it gonna hurt people's ears through the microphone? Yeah. Yeah, it will. Okay. No, I'll, no, you can you can do it. Oh, I can <laughs> do it. Okay. So there's two different I was thinking about this because you asked me how does the horse respond to different tones? And I was like, I don't yeah. really use a different tone. I try to use a high pitched tone is um, there's something else that I do with him is whenever I'm working with him, if I'm asking him to just move and do something that he knows how to do, I'll kiss at him with, it's still high pitched, but it's not as high pitched as I can go. So I'll give him a little, or both those things work, which actually that click is a little bit lower than the kiss. So yeah. I'll normally go, like that to make him move um, versus when I'm teaching him something new and I want to get his attention and I really want him to focus. I give him a much higher pitched kiss. Like uh, you probably saw me doing it occasionally. I'd give him a really high pitched kiss to kind of get him to focus and respond. So I give him. Yeah, like I was that. about to ask. Give, yeah. give me an example. So what's a high pitch? What was it? Yeah. So the lowest pitch that I'll give to them is and the highest I'll go is like that. So, and what are they making of it? Um, it's just there's there's better response to that high pitch. It gets their attention a little bit more versus that low pitch is just the easiest thing for me to do. So um, yeah, go ahead. Try that for me. Try it like that. No, no, I'm not going to try it. I want <laughs> you to try. Try. Well, do it like the side of your mouth. I can. You can. Do it. No, I'm, yeah, I'm 59. I try. You, you, heard, you heard the never try. teach it. Okay. <laughs> See, I, See? I told you. that's how it goes. I've been doing this for about <laughs> 10 years, so I can not that loud, which it's honestly, I guess muscles have built up in my mouth. I'm not really sure. They they have. It's a, this is this is yeah. what happens when you do the same thing over and over yeah. again and somebody else tries to do the same thing and haven't done it before. Yeah. So um, I now can, you're making my case for building habits. Oh, OK. But we're not. Well, there doing, you go. Actually, we can talk about habits, too. Sure. Habits with horses. Let me. Um, but. Back to pitch yeah. and uh, tone with him is I can go as loud as I want with that click and I still get more response out of a quieter high pitch. And so that that tone is really useful for me. He it, it he's learned that if I'm using that high pitch, I don't want him to do something I've asked him to do before. I want him to try something new, which is a hard thing. Like you saw, uh when I tried to ask him to do something he had never done before, he got confused at first and he was like, I'm not supposed to be doing this. And so I used that high pitched kiss to tell him that, hey, I don't want you to do something that you've done before. I want you to try something new. And that's where that communication, even though I can't talk to him in English uh, and have him understand every word, he still understands what I'm asking him through a different way. And another way that he'll understand is my body language. So I have a ton, a ton of different cues for my horses with my body language. They can see the tiniest movement that I make to them and know what I'm asking. So a few, a few of them is if I'm asking my horse to move faster while I'm on the ground. I normally do this a lot with my, uh, my riding students mm -hmm. um, because my horses. <laughs> the laziest thing that has ever walked on this planet. So, but I'll ask Hopefully you, the horse is not listening to this podcast. I hope not. We might have issues with my lesson And tomorrow. you can always say, I've meant another horse. 
Of course, yes. of course. <laughs> but um, I'll take my hand and I'll point in the direction I want them to go. And that means, hey, move. And if I'm asking her to move quicker, I'll point again once she's in her walk. Um, if it doesn't make sense the way I just said that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. So that's just one of them. Another one is hand placement where I have my body. If I have my hand low to my thigh, I'm asking my horse to move behind me. If I have my hand high up in the air, I'm asking my horse to come in front of me. Um, if I stop moving, I am asking my horse to stop completely. If I flick my hand out, kind of just, well, I guess people can't see me, so this is hard to explain. But if I just take my wrist and I flick it out, I'm asking my horse to move away from me. If I do that the opposite direction and I take it in, uh, flick my wrist towards kind of like my face, I'm asking the horse to come closer to me. So it's like little things like that where I'll just be standing, have my hand by my side and do a little flick and the horse will respond and people will be like, what? Okay, so, so I have that? to understand. There are two parts. Here's a uh -huh. two-part question for you. One is, how did the horse learn to respond that way mm -hmm. to the flick of the hand? And two, how did you learn that that's how the horse is going to respond? Um, so Did you just decide, this is what I'm going to use to <laughs> tell you to go away? Uh, well, there's a... I'm going to answer your second question first. There is a few factors that go into how I choose my cues. Um... The first part is, is what is, what can my horse see? Because if, you know, I'm putting my hand behind my back and throwing out numbers or whatever, he can't see that. He's not going to respond to that. So I have to choose something that's very visible for them to see. So I'll actually take my cue and I'll make it really big at first. So it's very obvious to them. I guess I'm answering your second or your first yeah. question now too. It's just how I teach them. <laughs> but, um, but, but did anyone uh -huh. chew that or you just thought... You know, that should work. I don't know quite how to explain this. It's I use so many factors of riding in because I was taught how to ride 100 percent. Okay. I was 100 percent taught how to ride by professionals. Um, but all the training I've learned how to do by myself. But um, when you're riding, you ask your horse with the easiest thing first and you make it you put on more and more pressure until they do what you ask, which you kiss with your mouth first. There's no pressure. And you squeeze with your legs. There's a little bit of pressure and then you can kick, which I don't really approve of kicking, but whatever, yeah. whatever. Um, and so the, you're not talking about kicking the horse. Yeah, I am. Oh, you are. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, but that's, you don't. That's not really. Sometimes my horse is really a brat and she tests me, but she knows it's coming. Okay. We will edit that part out. <laughs> She does not kick the horse. <laughs> well, it's not like I'm putting full force and like yeah, knocking yeah. her ribs out, but I'll give her a little tap because it's a little bit more pressure and she knows it's coming. She knows that it's kiss, squeeze, kick and her, it's her choice of when is she going to respond. But um, it's I did it backwards when I start started training. I yep. said, I'm going to give you the hardest thing. And I'm gonna make it easier and easier and easier. So that way I'm not give them a little flick and then they get nothing because they didn't respond to a flick. You know, I start with a big wave of my arm, like all the way out and I make it super obvious. And then I make that wave smaller and smaller and smaller until I can just give them a flick and they, they respond. Um, but I choose, I choose my, um, oh gosh, I choose my cues depending on what is most obvious to them and what makes the most sense. If you think about it, I'm taking my arm 
and I'm swinging it at them, that's going to make them want to move away. They don't want to be near that arm. And so, and then I reward them for that. Say, yes, that is the right thing to do. And then I just continue to make it smaller. But moving it in towards me, what I actually did to teach him that so I took a little bit of food in my hand, showed him the food, moved the food in towards me. He followed my hand. And then I started just doing it without food. Um, and so that's how I teach him, I guess. And that's how I choose my cues. I try to make it what works for them, what makes it obvious to them. And then what is going to like <laughs> kind of make them want to do it in the first place. So I'm going to give you one more example just to clear that up because sometimes I'm just bad at explaining things without showing you. But um, when I raise my hand up... It it is 173 degrees outside. So, you know, let's use words (laughs) and stay here in the air conditioner room. Yeah. But whenever I raise my hand up and point and I'm asking her to move... uh, I call that pressure. So the way you get a horse to do something is you put on pressure. That pressure does not have to be physical at all. Raising my hands up, that's considered pressure. Smacking a horse with a whip, still pressure. Um, But I, I put on that pressure and pressure is meant to be uncomfortable. It doesn't have to hurt, but it's meant to be uncomfortable, uh, to get them to react to it. So, um, for example, if I raise my hand up, this is this is a threatening stance. If I go like, oh, I can't, yeah. I gotta remember that there's no That's camera okay. showing yeah, me this. No camera. But, um, if I take my hands and I swing them really fast, like over my head, like I'm doing jumping jacks or something, that's threatening to a horse. And so, um, if I if I do that really, why fast, is it threatening? What, what is the horse thinking? That, gonna, that's where we're back to be predator. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna there. go with that. I. I've always just seen a reaction, so I'm not exactly sure what goes on in their head. But was uh, it a reaction you think of fear or a reaction of uh, I don't know? It's it's a it's a fear it's reaction. Fear. But yeah. um, so I I don't want to put them in a spot of fear. I'm just giving you an example of yep. this is that is a threatening position type thing. So that's how pressure works. Um, so if I raise my hand up and I point, I'm putting on pressure. If she's not listening to that pressure, I'm going to take, uh, my carrot stick, which I normally have in my other hand, which I use just as an extension of my arm. And I'm going to take it and I'm going to put pressure. I'm not going to touch her with it. I just put pressure and I bring this out because she, unfortunately I haven't had her her whole life and she does know what a whip can do. And so, um, if I just bring that up, she's like, oh, okay, I'll do it. And so, and then eventually. So she was not treated well. Well, not necessarily. It's partially her own fault because I told you this, I haven't introduced her. Um, but the horse, the girl horse that I'm talking about, her name is Sean. Her, her name is Sean. Yes. I'm, I'm fully aware she has a guy's name. I didn't name her. Hey, um, there are actresses named Sean. Yeah. Yeah. But. Um, so before I had her, of course, nothing comes to mind right now. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was just thinking about too. Um, but um, before I had her, she was Sean Young. There, <laughs> okay. she's an actress. All right, uh, she was a horse at a kids' camp, and so she was supposed to be rideable by little kids who can't put on that much pressure and can't really uh, move a horse that's not trained to be catered to kids and so (laughs) she figured this out real quick that she didn't have to do the work and like i said she's extremely lazy so if you if 
she doesn't want to do the work for you, she's not going to. If you keep asking her, she's going to start getting mad about it. So uh, her thing that she figured out is that if somebody asked her to walk and she just bucked and bucked and bucked until she they were offered back, she didn't have to do the work. <laughs> and she figured that out. And so she bucks people off notoriously. Um, she would much rather kick, bite, buck than walk, which to me is easier, but she figured out she didn't have to do the work in the long run. Um, she ended up breaking the camp owner's wrist. Uh, she kicked her and broke her wrist. Um, she broke another girl's ribs and, uh, she, we had her tied to just like a hitching post and she put the girl in between her and the hitching post and swung her to the hitching post and squeezed her so tight she broke her ribs. So that's kind of, kind of what we're talking about. The thing with her that was lost in communication was... Hey, if you do what we're asking you... You didn't tell me all of that when we went outside. <laughs> that's because horses. she likes me. She trusts <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> me. But that's what I'm about to explain But she here. doesn't know me and I look like yeah, a predator. Yeah. Listen, listen. So um, here's the thing is that she hadn't figured out that, hey, if I do the work, there's no negative impacts. Because you can understand with people who, <laughs> who don't exactly know what to do with a horse and how I'm going to say how they work, like how horses, how their minds work yep. and stuff. Um, they'll kick, they'll kick, they'll whip. And also just dumb people who train like that. It's just going to put that out there, but um, they'll kick and they'll whip a horse and they'll put that horse in pain. And she goes, I don't like that pain. I'm going to kick and buck and bite. So to get you to go away. Uh, that's that fight response when a horse is in fear or in pain. Right. Um, and so she didn't quite figure out that if she did the right thing, there was no pain to respond to. Right. So it was kind of a uh, people being afraid of her and putting her in pain and her being afraid of people and putting people in pain, which um, just got to a point where she learns that, hey, I would be your friend. I will be your friend and I'll be nice to you. And she was like, oh, I'll be, I'll be nice to you. I'll, I'll sit and I'll ride for you. So, but eventually I was the only person she would work for. And so they just sold her to me because she was no use to them. And, and it's also a matter of time. I'm sure that the oh, great yeah. horse that you had when you started with them, they didn't trust you yeah. and over time yeah. when they got to know you. And that that's the component of time that they, they got mm -hmm. to see that. You're positive. Your your behavior with them is positive, mm -hmm. and now time just accelerates the level of trust. Yeah, but you can see now she's she's not like that anymore. She's she's got it in her head that hey, I I if I'm nice to people, people will be nice back. And even if I'm not nice to people, I'm never <laughs> never not nice to her. So she. Her and I, I would genuinely consider friends. Like uh, <laughs> when I come out in the morning, she comes running up screaming to me. When I say screaming, she's not like fear screaming. She just has an extremely high pitched neigh. And it does sound like she's screaming bloody murder. So <laughs> she comes up like neighing to me and she'll run up to me and she gets all excited. She follows me everywhere. I mean, I just. So it's she's a my positive, friend. positive scream. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's what I was trying to explain. She's not screaming out of like pain or anything. That's just right. how she sounds. So, yeah. yeah. So, how do you know when a, tr a horse trusts you? Mm -hmm. How do you know when a horse doesn't trust you? I would put the the biggest. Uh, 
The easiest way to determine a horse trusts you is to give them the option to not be around you. So to give them the option of, I don't trust you. I don't want to be near you. I'm afraid of you. And you'll see that horse doesn't want to be near you. That horse wants to walk away. Both my horses, you saw when you came, you came up, they both came right up to you. They were like, hey, I know this. I know people aren't going to hurt me. I've showed them people aren't going to hurt them. And uh, they're like, "Okay, I'll come. I'll come trust you. I'll come be near you. Now, if you would have walked up to that horse and smacked her right in the face, she'd never walk up to you again. That broke her trust. But that's the nice thing is that they've learned that they can trust, you know. And so I think the easiest way to determine the horse doesn't trust you is they don't want to be near you. Um, Yeah. And. And you don't force them. You don't. You don't, them. you don't get them close to you simply because you force them or yeah. because you hurt them. Correct. So it, it has to be their own choice. It has to be their own choice. Okay. So we, we started the, the idea for this episode came last time I was here and, mm-hmm. and I saw you with the horses, which was the first time that, that I saw you mm-hmm. play with horses. You, you do a <laughs> That's lot what I do. It. I play with and horses. Play, but but the first word that uh, I think one of the first words that came out of your mouth was that they trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. If a horse doesn't trust you, there's no relationship. And when there's no relationship, it's dangerous. That's genuinely how I would put that. So let me answer. I think it's, it's a positive relationship. That, yeah, that yeah. There is a positive mm-hmm. relationship because you can have a bad relationship yeah. with a horse. Let me, let me answer your last yeah. question. How do, you, how do you tell if a horse doesn't trust you? Um, horses, when they react out of fear, this is not obvious to all people. Again, I've been around horses for the past 10 years of my life and I understand how they work. I understand their body language and stuff like that. So when horses are afraid, um, they, I'm so sorry. The yeah. cat is playing with the bottle cap. <laughs> so just, just for my audience, we have cats and we have a dog. The dog is outside, <laughs> but there is a cat inside here too. Yeah. But, um, their heads. I'm not going to say anything about cats. <laughs> <laughs> their heads will oftentimes shoot up, like they go straight up in the air, and their ears will um, also be straight up and pointed in whatever direction their head is normally. Because they'll turn to see uh, whatever is um, they're afraid of. And uh, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I keep watching them. My horse keeps going and chasing Coda around. <laughs> I can see them through the window right now. Um, but anyways, and so that's that's the immediate, I'm scared of something. I need to see something. This is making me uncomfortable. That's the immediate uh, fear uh, yeah. is how I see that. Um, and sometimes that can just be something that they're interested in. Like they're, oh my God, what is that? But it's not something that they're comfortable with, if that makes sense. Um When horses are scared, they'll also, if they are not able to get away, they will fight. So that's where that bucking, biting, rearing, all that comes in. Um, And then another way is to give them something that they should be afraid of and see if because you're holding it, it's somehow not scary. So this is something fun that I do with my horses all the time, especially the ones I'm training, just to see if I've gained your trust or have you just figured out that whatever I am using is not going to hurt you. Um, So like plastic bags are notorious for spooking horses so badly just because of the sound they make. If they're blowing around in the wind, it's just it's terrifying to them for whatever reason. 
tiny little plastic bag. But anyways, and so sometimes... I, I get that. I, <laughs> I get terrified by flying plastic bags. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'll take a plastic... Maybe I'm a horse. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, but I'll take a plastic bag in my hand and I'll wave it around and I'll make all the sound. And a lot of the times their head goes up. They're like, oh my God, what is she doing? But if they're not running away or... This, that, and the other. I know that horse, trust me. If that horse and you pick up something and you walk towards it or you swing around a plastic bag and that horse is gone for the hills, that horse doesn't trust you, you know? Um, my, the one that I was talking about to you last time, the one that I uh, had just gotten at the time, I've gotten yes. another one since then, but the uh, one that I had been talking about. Because uh, nobody can have too many horses. We have too no many. 15 year old can have too many horses. <laughs> we definitely have too many horses, but you didn't hear that. Um, and so, if just I, for the record, there is a parent sitting in the next room. <laughs> but um, that horse that I, I uh, had just gotten at the time, he figured out quickly that I came with food and I was a positive thing. If I had anything in my hands, even if it was a food bucket or a lead rope or a halter, he wouldn't get near me at all because he did not trust me. He just knew that sometimes I came with food. So um, now I can go walk up to him with a lead rope, a halter, food bucket, a whip, whatever. And he's like, oh, hey, hi. Oh God! You know that you're not that you're not going to hurt them. Yeah. Did you hear that? That I was did. my horse screaming. I told you she sounds like she's screaming. Yeah. So. so let me ask you a question. This is going to be the final question. Mm -hmm. um, this is typically how long the the episodes are. Um, if you and I would do exactly the same thing to the horse, I'd hold something, do a sign or mm -hmm. something. Would the horse do what you tell them to, and not <laughs> do when I say the same thing and do exactly the same thing? It depends on the horse a lot. Like uh, I can throw any of my lesson kids in with Coda and he listens to them perfectly fine. Um, <laughs> my horse who I use for lessons most often, I can't leave her alone with the kids because she just stands still. She won't do anything at all. And they can sit there and I'm sure they could sit there and kick and yank on her face and she, she wouldn't get mad or anything, but she'd just be like, no, not moving. Then I come back and she magically starts moving. This is, this is something that happens frequently. I have to go get something from inside or from the barn. And I'm like, just, just get water. Cause she's not, she's not going to do anything. And then I come back and she's like, Oh, Hey mom, I was, I was doing everything perfectly right. And I'm such a good horse, but it, um, it really mostly depends on the horse. Cause <laughs> man, she really truly doesn't work for anyone else still. <laughs> You're back. Yeah. There was a little horse emergency outside. Not, they're just, they're goofy. Sounded from here to me to the untrained ear, it sounded like a horse emer emergency. Yeah. Um, it just, both of them know that there's food in the chicken coop. Yes. But if they're preoccupied with something else for long enough, aka long enough grass that they've now eaten down, they'll go searching for food once there's no more grass. So he was like, oh, let me just kick through all the chicken wire and break the whole coop and get myself a snack. And so, yeah, I went and moved them. But they definitely know. It just, this kind of made me realize they definitely know when I'm angry. Like, yes. Uh, if I go out there and I yell at them, they know it. Like, um, Did they lower you their know. heads? Like, <laughs> well, you saw once I got close enough, he got his butt out of there. Yes. Um, 
Also, they're not supposed to be in the barn, which sounds dumb, but the barn is like used for storage. It's not like a horse barn or anything. Yeah. And it's like our workshop. And so the reason they're really not supposed to be in there is because it's slick concrete floors and they will slip and really hurt yeah. themselves. But both of them love it in there for whatever reason. And so if we have those doors open, yesterday I went out and I heard clop, 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 clop. And I'm like, grass doesn't make that noise. <laughs> and so right. I said really loud, I was like, there better not be any horses in the barn, which they don't understand. But I just used a tone and I see two heads poke out and they both went out the other side. They're like, I don't want to be over there. So. Okay. Yeah, they, I guess they really do know the tone. <laughs> they do. And Edison, uh, this this is going to be the end of our uh, episode. Okay. Edison, thank you so Actually. much. Uh, so for everyone here, uh, you have listened to Edison Galliano, a 15-year-old <laughs> with four horses that uh, hopefully taught you as much as she taught me uh, about trust. But not just trust between people, but trust between people and horses. Can I add one more thing? Yes. Okay. So you just reminded me of something is I said this to you last time. I wished everybody would work with a horse because uh, or be around horses because with with dogs or smaller animals, we have the ability to kind of manhandle them, not in a vicious way. But like we if we really need to, we can throw them around and get them where we need to go. You know, with horses, even my little my little one, he could overpower me easily. He could you know, uh, really hurt me pretty easily. And um, that's that's the nice thing about them is they're so big that if they don't want to work for you, it's dangerous, which is why I say I wish everybody would work with horses because it really teaches you how to work with somebody um, and how to communicate with somebody. So when you go back to being around people, you can sit there in a conversation, you're watching somebody and you're you're seeing those little signals that, hey, they've sat up their posture and they're using a deeper tone and they're getting kind of upset. And you can kind of figure out how to diffuse the situation or how to communicate with somebody when your words aren't working and you're just having to say the same thing over and over and over again. So that's why that's why I really like working with animals is because you can't speak English and you can't just throw them around. So... Yeah. So that, that's an interesting aspect, what you're saying, if, if I'm reading it back correctly, what you're telling me is that it's not just the horse reading your body language, it's you reading the horse's body language. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and because you do that, mm -hmm. that helps you understand other people as yes. well and read their body language better. That, that's an interesting insight. I never thought about that, too. Yeah, it's... Uh absolutely insane how much I understand more about people that just because I can relate it to the animals that I see uh, kids especially especially like really little kids who don't really know how to use their words yet and their moms are like oh my gosh <laughs> how'd you do that and I'm just like well she she looked upset and she was like no that's that's her wanting food and I was like oh okay because I'm not going to tell a mom though but to me it just looked like she was upset about something and I got I uh, this this happened. I don't know if you can tell, but this is a story I'm telling. But I got with her. Don't mention names. Oh no! <laughs> but I got with her and uh, just tried to make her a little happier, and she happier wasn't hungry or anything. So uh, the girl. Yeah, the child. Yeah. yeah, I know it's hard to tell when I stop. Yeah, talking when you about say the girl, then, then you mean the child <laughs> so, or a horse. Yeah, but it's like 
it's things like that that's just it makes so much more sense to me uh how people work and even when they can't communicate with me how people work so yeah well that's that's a great way to finish a great insight to finish it so edison again thank you so much for being on our podcast and this is it for today may trust be with you this is the trust show What would you like to know about trust and trustworthiness? Let me know and I'll answer it in a future episode. I would love to hear from you. Email me at yoram at thetrustshow.com. If you like this episode, subscribe to the show so you will automatically get notified when I release a new episode. Rate it. Write a review for this podcast because those ratings help not only you, but also others looking for podcasts just like this. If you're looking for more resources to learn about how to build trust, be trusted, or know who to trust, look up my workshops, online courses, books, or go to my website, trusthabits.com. And remember that the answer to these two questions will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? And can you trust me? Thank you for listening or watching The Trust Show.